Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. Schmelk, Detino, and you. It's all presented by Coors Light, 201-939-4513. That's the phone number. If you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, it's hashtag GiantsChat. Tune in and we'll talk to you throughout the show. The Giants had their third preseason game last night. The starters played more than they have all preseason. Uh, a lot of the guys, though, did not play a full half of football including Giants quarterback Eli Manning. But the Giants come away with another victory, Paul. I would say probably the sloppiest game of all of them so far. Probably more drops by wide receivers and penalties and things like that than we've had in past games. But I thought it cleaned up as the game went along a little bit, and the Giants walk away with another victory and with some impressive performances from some of their young players. Well, you know, John, I think the thing that the Giants can be happy about is that there were scattered good plays throughout both sides of the ball. Now, I will agree. I thought it was a sloppy game. I thought it was a ragged game. Uh, we said that during the broadcast last night. It was more indicative of a preseason opener than it was a third preseason game under normal circumstances, at least in my opinion. However... You know, as I talked with Lance on the locker room show last night, and he was saying, "Oh, great!" I was down there too, and, right? And right. Well, no, no, but I know. But when Lance was saying it, and I countered him a little bit, and I'm and I'm trying to be difficult with mm -hmm. him, but he was glowing about, "Oh, what a great competition at wide receiver!" You know, uh, and I'm like, "Okay, wait a second. Nobody caught more than three passes in the game. Paul Perkins had three receptions. The thing that you liked is that a number of different wide receivers made plays." Russell caught the two-point conversion, which was a nice grab. White caught another long pass downfield. Slayton caught another long pass downfield. Britton Golden made a couple of plays. Britton Golden made a, not only a pass play, but also a pump return for a touchdown. Correct. So these guys all flashed and made a play, but they were flashes because over the course of the entire game, nobody had a spectacular game. Yeah, Fowler was quiet. Cody Latimer had two passes he could have caught but didn't. I would, I'll call one a drop. The second one, I think, was a contested catch he didn't come up with. Uh, Britton Golden had a couple nice plays, but he also had a pass that kind of went through his hands from Loretta late in the game. Uh, Marshall Shepard had the slant. Otherwise, he was a little bit quiet. So, yes, I think it's a fun competition because nobody has stood out. But the bad news is that nobody has stood out to the point where a player has gone out and said, look, I'm playing so good. I'm an easy decision to make the second wide receiver or third wide receiver while Golden Tate is suspended. No one has made that case. It's still, I think, very even across the line. Well, I think you can say that about two positions, John, where I think the tug of war has yet to reveal itself. It's that way at the back of the depth chart at wide receiver, and it's that way at the back of the depth chart at running back. Yes, we'll see how serious this Rod Smith groin injury is. That might make their decision easier than it was before. I always assume if nobody steps up and does particularly well, the status quo wins, right? And the status quo is Wayne Gallman is the two. So or I think, somebody from the outside. Well, I'm saying status quo is Wayne Gallman is the two. That's what the status quo is. So right. I think right now that's the status quo. If somebody gets cut loose, might that change that they really like? Sure, who knows? But right now I think... If Smith isn't healthy, I think it makes the Paul Perkins-Rod Smith debate easier. I think Paul Perkins catching those three passes, one of which was a tough catch on a pass behind them from Alex Tanney. Agreed. Helps his case an awful lot. Because if Rod Smith isn't ready for week one, he hasn't stood out to the point where you're going to keep him around if he can't play. I agree with that. Now, Hilleman 
still wants to inject himself into the conversation. He ran for another one-yard touchdown yesterday. Mm -hmm. He had to take two shots at it, but on the second try, he definitely did a nice job to nuzzle his way past the goal line. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's done enough to be on the 53. I think he's certainly a strong practice squad's consideration. But let me ask you this, John. Uh, The Smith thing was termed a groin yesterday during the game. Today, Coach Schirmer said it was an adductor muscle. Did you look up what an adductor muscle is? And and quite frankly, since we didn't have enough time to get the show going and still make that uh, deal. An adductor muscle is a muscle in your hip. So it's right around that, you know, groin, quad area. All right. So my feeling on that is uh, Smith told people after the game he thought he'd be okay for next week. And, And of course, he's going to because he's in a competition. And he was not wearing any ice on anything while he was standing on the sideline in the second half, which tells me maybe it's not super duper serious. Okay. So what I'm saying to you is this. I don't want to assume that he's kind of lost some ground in the competition because of the injury. Because I do think that Coach does like his ability to potentially be the backup fullback. And I do think that they like the way that he runs with power between the tackles. So I don't want to necessarily say that he slid down after last night. It's certainly a warning sign. It is a danger sign. But I do think all these running backs are really on an even plane. I like the team at short yardage yesterday. I thought they they converted that fourth down with with Wayne Gallman. Uh, mm-hmm. He didn't do a great job on the third down. It was a third and one. He kind of hopped a little bit and didn't get enough power to get the first down. Did so on the fourth down. Rod Smith scored on a on a you know goal to goal play from the one for a touchdown. So I thought the short yardage was pretty good. They ran a successful four-minute offense at the end of the game. Yes, there was only 237 left, but the point is that it's a quote-unquote four-minute offense where they actually threw a couple passes on play action, Paul, and one on a second and eight, one on a first and ten. Scott Simonson dropped one of the passes. C.J. Conrad caught the other, and they got first downs off passes, which I think we saw. I was trying to remember. He did that at the end of one of the games last year, and people got all up in a tumble about it. But I think when teams are expecting to run, those little play-action boots aren't a bad way to go in those late-game four-minute situations. Well, providing you catch them. (laughs) Otherwise, you stop the clock. And Simonson was in position to not only make a very easy catch. Oh, no, he was going to ice the game. He had the first down. Mm -hmm. And immediately, David Deal turned to me in the booth and was like, finish, you got to finish. That that's exactly how you put your defense back on the field in that situation and give them a chance to potentially squander the game. Speaking of finishing, watching the tape this morning, Nate Stupar constantly puts himself in position to make a play, but he has trouble finishing too. He missed two or three tackles. He missed the interception. Was it the first or second preseason game? I think it was the second preseason game where he dropped second the interception. One, Bears. And then he missed two or three tackles yesterday. He, I think he's a very smart player. He gets himself in position in the right spot, but he just is having trouble finishing those plays. And he's a big special teams guy. But I think that's another interesting thing. Who's the last linebacker on the roster? Is it Stupar? Is it B.J. Goodson? Is it Anderson? All those guys I think are kind of in the mix for that last linebacker spot too. Anderson tweaked his knee in the game last night. Coach said they'll uh, have to go uh, with further testing on him. Again, I don't know how much that may or may not hurt his mm-hmm. chances. Part of the problem the Giants have to deal with here, uh, 
unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because it, it is, uh, you got to figure out when you're dealing with your front seven, how many D-line you're going to keep, how many linebackers you're going to keep, because you know a lot of those linebackers are going to play up on that front line. And by the way, who the last defensive lineman is, I think, is also a bit up in the air as well. Well, exactly. So you may not be competing against a fellow linebacker. There's a possibility that you're competing against a roster spot which they may want to use for an extra defensive lineman. You follow me? I do. So it's not that simple, Goodson against Stupar. It could be, let's say, one of those guys against maybe, oh, I don't know. I I think Olsen Pierre is going to make it, but I don't know. Maybe John Jenkins. I I think Jenkins is probably going to make it, but I don't know. I think R.J. McIntosh is going to make it, but do I know 100%? I don't know. A couple other things, and folks, I know the quarterbacks played, but we're, we're going to get to that last. A uh, couple other things on defense. Dexter Lawrence, surprisingly to me, only played nine snaps. I thought he might get over 20 in this game, but I thought it was the most effective set of snaps he's had. He was in the backfield a couple times, made some plays. I concur with you 100%, but it's ironic in that we've looked at this guy as... Fewest snaps on defense, by the way, of any player on the roster. Yeah, we look at him as a key component for this year's team, and yet, in games one and three of the preseason, he's played in single digits. He played six, 14, and now nine. So 29 snaps, or rather, I should say, yeah, 29 snaps over three games. I'm not sure if that's because they don't want to show people what they think he can do. That's what I think it is, but I don't know that for sure. It may be. Um, is it because... They figure he's a number one pick, so they know he's on the team, and they're giving other snaps to guys like Jenkins, Pierre, Maybe. Frida Makimolarun, mm-hmm. because... Well done. Well, because they don't know if those guys deserve to mm-hmm. be on the depth chart. We know Lawrence is on the 53, of right? Mm-hmm. So could that be it? I'm not sure. Corey Ballantyne made a couple plays on the ball, gave up a couple catches. I thought he played okay. Uh, Giant fans, I'm sure, had some flashbacks of the past half dozen years of a tight end beating a safety down the field for a touchdown. Uh, Peppers let Uzoma get a step on him, and then Corey Ballantyne apparently should have offered some inside help, and he didn't. Right. But that's obviously something you don't want to see. Peppers did make a good play on Shrek on a back shoulder throw to a tight end later on in that same drive. He did. But you don't want to see that, especially down on that side of the field where you get a tight end in space. He kind of ran a wheel route. He wasn't coming out of the backfield, but it was the equivalent of a wheel route, and he, he just beat Peppers. He took a bad angle on coverage. You know, Jabril Peppers has a lot of versatility, and and we know that, we understand that, but he's not going to be perfect, especially if he's going to be outside on the boundary, and that's where he was on that long pass. He was outside on the boundary, and, uh, you know, uh, every once in a while, there's going to be a matchup problem, and either he's going to have to go and make the play, or somebody else is going to have to force the quarterback to misfire the ball. I thought offensively, we'll switch to that now, Paul. I think the offensive line probably had the most trouble it's had this preseason so far with the Bengals' front. I thought there was a lot of penetration, especially inside in the run game. And then, of course, you had the sack and fumble of Daniel Jones where Carl Lawson beat Nate Solder around the edge. And by the way, Mike Remmers got beat around the other edge on that same play. Mm -hmm. But I thought the Bengals' defensive line showed why they're one of the better units in the league. Will Hernandez struggled with Geno Atkins. He said as much after the game. I thought Jalapio had a couple issues. I thought a couple times his guy got penetration in the backfield. And I think it's reflected in, in the rather pedestrian Giants' rushing stats over the course of the game. 
Bengals had uh, three sacks and five quarterback hits. For the most part, I thought the pass protection was adequate, though. For the most part. It was okay. You know. Uh, it was mostly it penetration was, inside in the run game. That was a bigger issue. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the pass pro was terrific in games one and two. Yes. It was okay in game three. The run blocking was poor in game one. It was poor in game three, but really good in game two. So, <laughs> and the Bengals have a good group too. So you have to remember that. And they did play and they all played their, their first guys. They did, yes, they did. Uh, this was their home preseason uh, opener, and David Deal was talking uh, earlier in the week with Dave Lapham, the former Bengals lineman who does uh, analysis on Bengals radio, and he had told Deal during the week, uh, Zach Taylor, the new coach there, is really trying to ignite that fan base and expect him to play hot and heavy in the first quarter with his starters because they want to make an impression. Is that why he went for two to try to tie the game at, to tie the game at the end? I, I can't necessarily explain <laughs> that because had the game gone into overtime and delayed everybody, uh, the few people who were left in the stands it, probably wouldn't have been happy. They wouldn't think. A couple other things on offense, Paul. Uh, Evan Ingram got his first preseason action. Good to see him out there. Caught one pass on a screen. Yeah. Uh, took a nice hit from B.W. Webb. Gained about eight yards. He played 10 snaps after that first drive, much like Eli Manning. Out of the gate. I don't have a problem with that. No, me either. And no. there was no Saquon Barkley either, by the way. No, the Giants uh, scratched, let's see, five of their starters. Sterling Shepard we knew was going to be scratched. Ogletree was scratched. And Shepard was because of injury. So Yeah, Shepard's got the thumb. Ogletree, a little bit of a lingering calf. Uh, calf. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tate, Golden Tate was scratched for this game. Uh, let's see who else. Barkley was scratched. Which for this makes game. sense. He's not going to be here for the first four games, so right. you aren't getting ready for anything, you know. No, no, not at all. And uh, let's see. Oh, of course, DeAndre Baker with with the sore knee was also scratched. Those were the five Giants starters who did not play in the game. I guess let's get to the quarterbacks. Let's start with the one everyone wants to talk about, Kyle Loletta. I thought he played. An- <laughs> I thought he played another good game. Um, and right now, Paul, the last two preseason games. I think he looks like the third-best quarterback on this roster right now. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to beat out Tandy for a roster spot or they're going to keep more than two quarterbacks. I don't know the answers to those questions, but I think Loletta's done everything he possibly can to show Pat Shermer in this front office that, yeah, I, I can be an NFL quarterback. Loletta, for the three games, is 15 of 22 for 206 yards and two touchdowns. Pretty good. And yesterday... He actually got more vertical shots downfield. They hadn't called many long passes for him in the first two games. No. Uh, last night, he hits White on a 36-yarder down the right sideline. And he also hit Slayton on a 27-yarder down the left sideline. Both of those throws were nice. And you have to say that Kyle Loletta looks nothing like the rookie that he put on, uh, on tape last year. Nothing. Oh, in that Redskin game? Nothing. Looks like a different player. He really does. Mm-hmm. And that's probably a tribute to Mike Shula, uh, Ryan Roeder. Uh, Roeder, uh, offensive assistant. Mike Shula, obviously the offensive coordinator and slash quarterbacks coach. And I'm sure Pat Shermer has something to do with it as well. Uh, you know, folks, we forget that when Pat Shermer got here, everybody had talked him up as a quarterback's guru. And I think that, you know, these guys, plus, quite honestly, Eli Manning, have all had an impact on Kyle Oletta. And I think Alex Taddy has, too. Kyle Oletta is, it looks like an NFL quarterback now. He looks like he belongs. He does. And last year, he, he by his own admission, had a rough rookie season. 
All right, let's get to the main deal here, and we'll start by saying and repeating what Pat Shermer said on his conference call this morning, which made me laugh out loud. Uh, did I ruin your recording of the conference call, by the way? No. Okay, good. Excellent. Thank you. Yes, that, I'm happy to hear that. So, so am I. The first question of Pat Shermer's conference call, and I'll tell you why I was laughing in a moment. Uh, he was asked, you know, is you seemed to leave open yesterday, which he didn't, but people seem to think that he did, that Daniel Jones might start week one. Pat Shermer's answer to the question was, no, Eli Manning is my starting quarterback, but we're getting Daniel Jones ready to play. The follow-up to that question was, so you're saying there's still a chance that Eli Manning's not starting week one. And I just started laughing when I worried I messed up your record because there just seems to be a, just a mission out there by some people to try to turn this into a quarterback controversy when Pat Shermer has literally used that same line, that same line, since May. But no one seems to want to listen to it. As I posted on Twitter, it boggles the mind how, how some people need a translation of this. Folks, every single player has a responsibility to get ready to play week one against the Dallas Cowboys because that's where the regular season begins. And even if you are a backup, you are one play away from being inserted into live action. Not even one play. What if Eli Manning falls down the stairs? You don't so, know. You need to be ready to play against the Cowboys. Come hell or high water, you better be ready to play or you don't belong on the 53. So let's make that part of this clear. Let's dissect this one more round. If there was any possibility of Daniel Jones starting a game, then the appropriate phrase in the English language would be, we're getting Daniel Jones ready to start. As opposed to, we're getting Daniel Jones ready to play. Now, for those of you who understand the English language, this is not difficult. For those of you who do not understand the English language, or perhaps have some fantasy and agenda that thinks there should be a nasty quarterback's controversy, I invite you to go to the library and go to the aisle where it says Football 101 and take out the book and read the book that says Football 101 so that you have a better understanding about how to prepare a football team. Would you like to continue? Eli Manning played well in the game. Four of eight, 41 yards, and he was actually better than that because, as I mentioned earlier, he had one pass to Cody Latimer that was dropped, another one that he could have caught but didn't. That was on that little skinny post near the end zone. Yeah. Uh, that could have went for a touchdown. It's a little bit behind them, but it was a play that, that Latimer could have made on the ball. I think the defender might have got a hand on it. It was hard to tell on the coach's tape. And But otherwise, he was very sharp. His only two errant throws was on that little flat pass to Goldman, and then he overthrew foul, or Latimer in the back corner of the end zone when he actually... The reason Latimer was double-teaming that, by the way, looking at the coach's tape, they left Sterling Shepard wide open at the sticks. And he could and he could have gotten the first down on the play, but he went for the big one, which I'll live with in the preseason. You want to make a big play, go for it. But those are the two throws that I thought Eli would want back, but otherwise I thought he was very, very sharp. Yeah, I didn't get an opportunity to, to look at the 22 yet, so I, I, I will not dissect that play as John just did. But here's what I will say. Uh, you know, the surprise to me, is that Eli has actually played as little as he has, John. Well, I think he was happy with the drive, just like last week. He's happy with the drive. Why put him back out there? And, and, and I get it. You know, maybe that's part of why some of these folks with the agenda are able to try to stir the pot because they see that he's played so little and they see that Jones has done so well with his snaps 
that they can, they're trying to create something that's not there. Maybe if Eli had played some more and continued to perform well, they wouldn't have as much room to create this fantasy. Maybe. I don't know. But here's what I will say, okay? Eli Manning has had a sensational offseason, okay? He's probably had only one practice that would be considered less than very good this entire training camp. Training camp, yes. Right? I thought there were a couple of practices in the spring where he could have been a little bit better. But since since the training camp started, yes, he's been by far the best quarterback here and it hasn't been close. So we see that every day. Now, I know you folks are only getting a very small sample size of preseason action because he's been in there very, very little. Mm-hmm. But we see an Eli Manning that looks as good as ever on a daily basis. It, it's no wonder that Coach Shermer insists that Eli Manning is his starter. Well, I think what, what also feeds the fire a little bit is that Daniel Jones keeps playing well. Well, he does. I mean, 9 of 11, 141 yards. Pat Shermer with a very funny answer to the question in the postgame press conference when he gets constantly asked <laughs> why you know he likes Daniel Jones. He goes, well, I asked the people that didn't like him, do they like him now? Which is which is a little funny, and I think it's, it's Pat it trying funny. to— and I, I think it's Pat Trummer's way of saying I told you so without saying I told you so. But it's important to, to, to note, too, that this is the preseason. So no one's taken any victory laps yet because they no. should. It's still the preseason. No, 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 nobody no, no. Sh- is taking victory laps. No one should be taking victory laps. That was just Coach having a little bit of fun. But look, 9 of 11, 141 yards. Uh, that nice pass to Slayton while under pressure. He didn't put it perfectly in stride, but he put it where his guy could go make a play. Similar on that skinny post over the middle to Britton Golden. Put the ball high where he could go up and get it. Again, not a perfectly placed throw, but he put it where only his guy can go and get it. And look, Jones just looks comfortable and he's able to make plays. I tell people all the time, John, the ball doesn't have to be pinpoint accurate. Look, Troy Aikman, in my mind, is probably the most accurate passer inside of 20 yards that I ever saw. More accurate than Montana? Oh, man. Aikman threw Darts. Oh, trust me. Uh, Troy Aikman's the best. I mean, he's super he accurate. Darts. Mm-hmm. Anything inside 20, maybe even inside 25 or 30. No one threw that deep out better than Troy Aikman. Oh, did. that too. That too. So I get it. I get it. There are those people who want to nitpick and say, what well, was it exactly where it was supposed to be? Well, no. But you know what? In the National Football League, your receivers get paid to make plays on the other end of the ball. And if you give it to them in the the box, you know what? It could be the size of a toaster. It could be the size of a bread box. It could be the size of a department store shirt box. Give it to them in the box. And it's their job to finish the play, John. It's not always on the quarterback to hit the top of the pin. Just put the ball in the box. The bottom line for me with Jones, and this is the most important thing, he continues to look comfortable. Nothing looks too fast for him. He's going through progressions in a way a lot of rookies can't or won't do. A play after he gets blasted in the back by Carl Lawson, who beat Nate Solder around the edge. He faces pressure up the middle, stays with it, and throws that deep pass to Slayton down to the one-yard line. So these little things that a rookie does where even veterans have trouble with it after getting hit, stay in the pocket, delivered the pass. Going through his reads, staying calm, not looking panicked, being accurate. It's just things that rookies generally don't do at the level he's doing it right now. And it's impressive. I don't think there's any doubt. And, you know, while we want to say it's only preseason, it's certainly better to have the guy look good than look bad. And that's the point. Um, I would add one more thing. 
I'm going to add one more thing. Look at how Daniel Jones has handled the pressure, the heat, the, the constant questions about Eli, the questions about his three fumbles, because he's had three fumbles now in the last two weeks. Which, by the way, he brought up to me on his own in the postgame press conference. You notice that when I asked him in the interview? Where does his finger go, John? Right back at himself. Mm-hmm. Every single time. Always. That's what and you want out of the quarterback. You know, he's a young fella who has shown a lot of maturity. He doesn't act like a young fella. No. On the field or off. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. I'll keep an eye on that. But let's get to your phones. You've been holding a while. Let's go to Scott in New Mexico. He will lead us off. Scott? Hi, guys. How you doing today? Hi. Hello. What's up? A uh, couple points. I sort of agree with both of you that it's a, watching the game yesterday was sort of a mixed bag. Uh, as far as Daniel Jones and Eli Manning, I wish this would stop already because Eli Manning is your starting quarterback. Unless he falls flat on his keister or he gets injured, as you alluded to, there's no reason to make any switch right now. And I think the one thing that I saw from the game yesterday with uh, uh, Daniel Jones, I was impressed actually with his arm strength between the 20 and 25-yard markers. In other words, that pass, which was, I think, one of the things that people worried about, did he have the arm strength? Well, I think he has better arm strength than anybody possibly imagined because, as you alluded to, John, that throw he made to Britton Golden was thrown on a frozen rope, even if it wasn't exactly where the receiver you know, and, uh, was targeted. Uh, that was an impressive throw. So he has the arm strength, he has the ability, but right now Eli Manning is the quarterback, and that's the way everybody should be looking at it right now. Yep. Uh, the other thing uh, that I wanted to ask you about, I'm a, I was impressed by three different players, and uh, one of them was uh, Corey Ballantyne. Uh, do you think he's earned the right to be the starting quarterback, even if DeAndre Baker comes back? Because he looks very impressive. I know he was beat on, on one or two plays. I'm not willing to go that far. he the instinct to play the position very well. Scott, if you had to put him out there, I'd feel comfortable with it, but I do not think he's a better cover corner than DeAndre Baker at this point. And, that's, and, okay. and, if, and if you think Baker's the better player, that's the guy you play. I'm with John okay. on that one. But I would say this. Ballantyne has certainly exceeded all expectations. Fight, he, he's, he's literally, you know, the, he might be the best sixth-round pick I've ever seen come through here. I mean, think about this. Cliff Harris Award winner, right? Okay, Division right. II Washburn, Defensive Player of the Year at the small school level. Uh, had tremendous accolades at his level of ball. But to think that anybody would, would expect him to be this pro-ready. This fast. Where he could no. take significant snaps for this team and potentially start if he was called upon is right. amazing to me. It's amazing. It really is. It really is. Okay. My, my other player flying under the radar, and it was evident even on the Britton Golden uh, return, is Alonzo Russell. Uh, if you noticed, he was probably the, the blocker closest to him. Correct. And he looked like he could outrun uh, Britton Golden. So does he have a realistic chance, based on what you wow. saw yesterday, to make the team? And if he does, does that change the, the dynamic of the uh, receivers that are actually going to uh, be on the roster? Because he looks impressive in almost every category. Even the move he made in the end zone to catch the touchdown was very impressive. The two-point conversion. The size, yep. I was just curious what you guys thought. Yes, yeah, Scott, yeah, and, and thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I want to get as many calls as I can. No problem. And the funny thing about Alonzo Russell, I think if last summer or the summer before you would have asked people about Alonzo Russell, what they would have told you what he had to get better at were the, were the little things, the special team stuff, the blocking, being a gunner, you know, doing those sorts of things. 
Yet in these preseason games, Paul, those little things are what he's excelled at. And it hasn't been the fancy receiver stuff like catching passes and going deep and doing all these things using his height. It's been the little things that he's been excellent at, chasing down guys after interceptions, blocking on special teams, things like that. Yeah, I think he's opened coach's eyes. I think that maybe that fourth preseason game, I'm sure he's going to get a lot of snaps. Maybe he'll have a chance to make some plays there to earn his way on. But he's still in the mix to me. I, I don't have him off this roster. Hook, line, and sinker. Not now. Boy. It's going to be hard, but I, I think he's got a shot. He's done everything the coaches have asked from him. He has. And Coach Shermer just got done telling us this morning something that I've been saying for weeks. This 90 is the best 90 that he has seen, and I know it's only two years of his stay here with the Giants. I'm telling you it's the best 90 I've seen since their last Super Bowl. There are going to be some very hard cuts to make. He's telling us how much he loves these guys, how much he enjoys this locker room, and how much he's wanting these guys to get jobs and thinks a bunch of them are going to get jobs on other teams when they do get sliced. Yeah, and I think that's the point where guys the Giants let go might get picked up by other teams. All jokes aside, since 2013, nobody the Giants ever cut in September wound up on other teams. No. It just didn't happen. No. And that was and, a problem. And uh, it was indicative of where the roster was. And, you know, I look at it and I say to myself, well, if you're going to keep six, plus Golden Tate is the seventh receiver on the suspended list for the first month, John, mm -hmm. I, you got your automatics. You got Sterling Shepard as your automatic. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think Latimer's pretty automatic at this point. Latimer's right? an automatic. Mm -hmm. uh, Slayton proved he could mm -hmm. play last I night agree. off of the hammy, I right? Think he's in. I so agree. he's in. He's a fifth round pick. He's I, in. I think Benny Fowler's in the way he's played. You gotta reward Benny Fowler for the the off season that he's had. And then Shepard's five, right? You're not getting rid of Russell Shepard because he's your tremendous leader and a special teams player as well. well that yep. And T.J. Jones has absolutely done enough to make this team since he got here late. That's six. See, see, you think you think those six guys are all on no matter what at this point. To say no matter what is hard. Well, but, but that's those, what we're talking about. But those would be my six favorites with one more game left on the preseason schedule. Is there any chance they keep seven plus Tate? I can't imagine no matter. Th oh, th th there's a way man, to do that. Man, that is going to be so hard to do. No, I know. I don't think they will either. I'm just asking the question. Look, here's what I will say. I think it's going to be two quarterbacks and Loletta on the practice squad, so you can save a spot there. Oh, really? You're not going to go with three. You only think you don't think they're putting three on the roster? I don't. I think Pat Shermer wants three on the roster. I think he does, but I don't think he's going to get. I think Loletta's going to have to go practice squad because I think they need to steal a spot. Because they're going to, I think they're going to keep a fullback. I think Elijah Penny's on this. Team. Well, so that's just, let's go to Twitter at Gruen Ben. Since Jones is clearly the number two, is there a reason to keep a vet like Tanny over Loletta at this point, the way Loletta's played? I don't think so. And it's funny, if you had asked this question to us four weeks ago, we thought Tanny would have played better than Loletta in these games, but he hasn't. Correct. And I think that's why that's changed our thinking a little bit, too. And Jones has also done so well. Remember, we had a debate several months ago, too. At what point should Jones be the number two? Well, yeah, that was all the way back in May. We talked about that a long time ago. Right. But and then by, by the time we got to the end of May, we're like, oh, no, 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 he's going to be the number all two. All of a sudden, the arrow was going up so yeah. quickly, uh -huh. he's clearly the two. Correct. There is no longer a doubt about that. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a need to keep. Alex Tanny around, and I, so I think Loletta's going to go practice squad. And they love Tanny though, too. They, I know they, they, they will do. not enjoy letting him I go. I know they do. Mm -hmm. And I think Penny is going to stick as a fullback. I agree. I think Conrad's going to stick as the third tight end. 
Speaking of which, okay. I'm, can, can I can I detour you for a moment? Yeah. Garrett Dickerson had a nice game yesterday. He did, but I can't keep four tight ends. I'm only keeping three. Can you keep him over Conrad? I am. I'm keeping Conrad. No, but can you keep Dickerson over Conrad? I can't. I can't. Is that be, Do you value the blocking in your third tight end? Because Dickerson's a better receiver. Yes. Conrad's the better blocker. Yes. That's the difference. They're, and, and they're both young players. I'd like to put Dickerson on practice squad again. Okay. If I could do it. I'd like to try to do it. I don't think anyone's going to scap him up. Okay. Um, because he broke two nice tackles on short passes. He did. He got two first downs. He did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and, and again, here's the problem, John. How many thousands of times do I have to talk about the spider web and the domino effect? Every move you make, it's it's got far-reaching consequences. This roster has, the eye with those I'm hands. sorry. <laughs> this roster has so many sticky spots on it. I know. On the back end of the depth chart at so many positions because the Giants are a good team, folks. This team is improving. They are getting better. They are younger and they are more talented. And the stickiness is going to create a lot of agita and stress when they get to the 53. It's these very problems that tell you the Giants are a better team, the roster, period. The roster is certainly improved. We'll see how that translates to how good of a team they are when they start playing games. I didn't say how much better. I, I said they're better. Correct. I know. I was just being clear. You know? So now, the bottom line, John, is you asked me about the receivers. Mm-hmm. I can't find a way to keep seven plus yeah, eight. It's hard. I know. I don't disagree. Doug and Rochester's up next. Hey, Doug. Hey, what's up, John Paul? Hi. Hey, I didn't know. Um, I got some questions actually. See if we can run through it right, right. fast. Real Wait, quick, rapid fire. Let's go. See the game. I was able to see the plays and the details. One of my first questions, John, goes to your second one to you, Paul. Um, then I got two more there. Um, Real quick. I on the first drive. All I see he had three. Incomplete passes, Miss Miss Stroll. So, what happened on that? I'm co- kind of concerned about that. And Paul Daniel Jones fumbled again, and I'm wondering if this is becoming a problem. We had two fumbles last game, and he fumbled again. Well, Doug, Doug, please, Doug, both of you guys answer yep. that. Yeah, luckily those are two very quick answers. Uh, Eli Manning's four incompletions. One was a high throw to Wing Gallman. Two were passes Cody Latimer probably should have caught. And the fourth was an overthrow in the corner of the end zone. So he actually threw the ball well and accurately, but two of his passes should have been caught and they weren't. And as for Daniel Jones, he was literally throwing the ball with the ball cocked back to release it when he got hit in the back from the blind side. So I would not consider that too big of a problem. Any quarterback would have fumbled in that situation. Yeah, that's one of those where the pressure was so quick to get to him. Correct. He was not going to have much of an opportunity to do anything and it productive. And it wasn't a blitz either, so he couldn't anticipate the pressure coming right. off his backside that quick. Okay, then on the second drive, Andy Dalton, he uh, he seemed like he was throwing a ball all over the field. I kept seeing the Ballantyne name coming up like he was on the covers getting beat. Well, and, um, he was like tossing the ball all over the field. What happened on that? Yeah, and, and that's why I wouldn't start Ballantyne over DeAndre Baker yet. You see Ballantyne make these plays. He's great at getting his hand on the ball, getting his head around, but he's still giving up catches. But he's a sixth-round pick. Yeah. That, that That's to be expected. So is he giving up some plays? Absolutely. Is he making good tackles after those catches? Yes. Are they big plays? No. So, yeah, I mean, Ballantyne is still having his highs and lows, which you would expect from a rookie sixth-round pick. Okay. And then the X-Man, he had a couple sacks. I know he's not we going to get the first team, but since me, he is getting starting to beat his man. Go ahead, Paulie. Take this one. 
X Man uh, talking to me in the locker room afterwards when John Thank and I you, were Doug. downstairs uh, indicated that he was ecstatic when they called the play for him to come rushing around the edge clean. And and he nailed the QB. Well, that's a hell of a play. Tell the offensive tackle not to block you. <laughs> Great play call, coach. They 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 <laughs> they apparently saw something, and this is part of what you talk about when coordinators are trying to match wits. Um, they knew they knew what was going on with the keys there as to what the Bengals were going to do. And again, this is only preseason, but X Man said he knew what his call was, and he was supposed to come scooping around the edge. And when he saw the, the, the Bengals line up, he knew he was going to have a free shot. And he made the most of it. So he was like, I, I, li-, I said, you like when they call that, don't you? And he yes. goes, oh, yeah, I like that a lot. I am, not, <laughs> I am not trying to take anything away from him. But he was able to take advantage of two miscommunications by the Bengals' offensive line slash protection. The first one, he came inside on an end tackle twist. Yes. And the running back and the tackle did not pass off it properly. And he got a free run at the quarterback. And then on the second sack, for whatever reason, the offensive tackle with no help to the outside of him just let him go. And I he mean, got after the quarterback. So good for him. He took advantage of two mistakes, but it wasn't a traditional go take your man. He beat O'Shea Dugas, the legendary O'Shea Dugas, on, on plays one-on-one either. See, the thing you got to remember about Zimenez is you want to watch him play in and play out. And he was very quiet in the first couple of preseason games. Mm-hmm. And here, though even, he did have a sack in the second one, he did, he did. It was, it was nice. The quarterback kind of ran into it though, a yeah. Little bit. Mm-hmm. It was nice, but not your typical hey workmanlike sack. Sure. Okay. Last night, he was more active up and down the line of scrimmage. He used more of his moves, his toolbox, as I like to call it, and his repertoire to try to get after the ball. And so for that reason, I thought it was a big plus game for him, even if certainly one of the sacks was a lot easier than, than maybe you would have thought otherwise. Um, but I did think it was a big plus game for him. Even Coach Shermer said he thought it was. he also played better against the run. Like I said, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. And I think when, what I do like when I see him out there, and I still think when offensive linemen get their hands on him, that's when he gets into trouble. He has trouble getting those hands off of him with the strength and the size and making plays. Yeah. But he has good burst. He has good quickness off the edge. I don't think he's getting high like you were talking about um, a couple weeks ago on his pass rush. He was better. Yeah, he was better. He was so better. I, I, I think you're seeing progress. Remember, he also takes pass rushes usually a year or two to kind of get going. Not many pass rushes See? are dominant in their first season, especially not third-round ones out of Old Dominion. No, they're not, but the Giants need as much out of him as they can get immediately. I know. I know. That's the position I that they're in. I just don't want to raise expectations that he's going to get two sacks a game here, okay? I didn't check snaps on Marcus Golden. Did you see? I can check for you right now. Because, you know, after he beat the tight end in a one-on-one matchup last week for a nice sack... Yeah, he was pretty quiet. He, he, I don't a, think he played a lot, though. I don't think he did either. 17 snaps. 25%. And what was his – you got his uh, – any assists? He didn't have any solo tackles, I don't think. I was I was a little bit disappointed. And, you uh, know – One tackle, that's it. Yeah, I didn't talk to the linebackers coaches uh, today, but I was kind of hoping that we would see Golden build off of last week's performance and have an even more um, – oh, I don't know. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Impactful How about productive? Okay. A more productive Go game. Back. Now – Again, and I want to make something clear too, folks, and Coach Shermer had to answer this question last week because somebody was asking about Dexter Lawrence and said, well, look at the stats. 
you know, he's not being very productive. And Coach was very, very careful to say, you can't just look at the stat line. A player can be productive without necessarily Correct. putting stats on the board. It's the game within the game. Now, I'd have to go back and look at the tape, which I have not done yet this morning. You know, we got in uh, a very, very early. John is able to actually look at it on the plane because he's got some kind of computer thing that allows him to do that. Computer thing. That's the technical term for it, by the way, folks. Computer thing. Yeah. Check it out. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'd like to see if Golden did well in the game within the game. Right now, yeah. I'm a little suspicious that he did not have a very and, uh, active night. And frankly, I was. I didn't think Lorenzo Carter had that active a night either. 18 snaps, agreed. Two assisted tackles. But he he's done better in the first two games. Correct. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Bob in Pennsylvania is up next. Hey, Bob. Hey guys. Uh, Really uh, love my Giants, but let's get to the regular season already. Just got done watching the preseason replay here. But, yep, uh, I'm with you, Bob. 100%. Let's and, do it. And uh, all this noise, you got the – I'm going to – you write down people's predictions. I'm going to give you a very specific prediction as to when Daniel Jones is going to make his first start. Okay, John? Okay. People okay. can steal my notepad, um, though. So. you got the same fools who know nothing about Giants football who were killing the Giants on drafting Jones. Now they're the same fools who want him starting week one. Well, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen this year. A la 2011, we're going to find a way to win the division by winning that last game against the Eagles on the final day. Um, Eli's going to go on a run. He's going to get his third Super Bowl. Then he's going to retire because why not go out on top and tell everybody to stuff it? Next year, against Cleveland on Thursday night football is when Daniel Jones is going to make his first start against the Cleveland Browns and Odell Beckham. And Odell is going to say the reason why the Giants are on prime time is because of him. So that this is what's going to happen this year. Hey, I like your um, – I like the segment uh, – uh, in the huddle, too. That's a pretty good show. Dave. I appreciate that. Thank you. Paul Paul does a great job talking to the former Giants. And, you know, uh, Madeline and I uh, talk some of the current guys and some of the analysts out there. We, we yeah, have a good time. I, I really it. like Thank listening you. to all the uh, former players. And the only one I really put me to sleep was the analytic guy. But other than that, it's a really good segment. <laughs> But uh, I'm really looking for, you know, we're getting, we're getting back to football this year. I'm so happy with that trade. And you got you, just like you've got some people who, older guys like Charlie and Len, who look at the stats of a guy. But football is the ultimate team game. And stats are for losers. No, 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 no. I can't let you do that to Lennon Charlie. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate let, let, the call. Uh, come uh, thank, thanks for the call. Lennon Charlie may sometimes, Charlie a bit more than sometimes, be misguided. Uh, but we kind of straighten them out. And, and trust me, those guys are not stat mongers. And, and those stats, guys and, love the game. And stats also aren't for losers. They're not. Stats matter. They're not. They do matter. They do matter. They're part of. They're, they're not everything, but they matter. They they are part of the pizza pie. Correct. They are part of the pizza pie. Indeed. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. That was one of the most. Spe- I've never had a bold prediction predicting not only this season's result, but what the schedule is going to be in twenty twenty before the twenty nineteen season starts. Very impressive. 
Uh, a creative it's phone bold. call. Thank you so much. Bob, right? That yeah. Was his name? Bob, call us again sometime. Bob in Pennsylvania, your bold prediction is on the board. Happy to do it for you. And that, 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 was, that was very bold. <laughs> Let's go to Jeff in Huntington. It's presented by Coors Light. Jeff, what's up? Hey, hi, guys. Uh, you know, on last night's broadcast, um, Bob Papa made a point of... Uh, uh, of calling out Will Hernandez's penalties and and infractions that weren't called for penalties, and so my my, my question is is this: is is he out on an island? Because I always thought left and right tackles were out on the island, but uh, it seemed like uh, wasn't there maybe a miscommunication possibly between center and guard or guard and tackle well, maybe the, on some of those infractions? Or, well, Jeff, the way or, the way if defensives set you up a certain way with how they line up their fronts, you can create one on one matchups uh, with how you set up blitzes and set up pressures and set up your formation. So. I, I don't know play-to-play play if there were any mistakes by Jalapio on those plays, but I could tell you Will Hernandez spoke. I forget to who he spoke to in the media on the way out of the locker room. might have been Art Stapleton, and he was very unhappy with how he played. Uh, he did not play particularly well. He admitted as much. Geno Atkins kind of had his way over there, and I think Will Hernandez is a better football player than what he showed in the first quarter and a half of that game last night. I will tell yeah. you from the moment I've met Will Hernandez – this guy has a tremendous amount of pride mm-hmm. and a tremendous amount of drive. And nobody cuts himself up more than Will Hernandez after he has a bad game. Right. And I'm hoping that uh, last night was an anomaly versus you know what will be. But yes. the other question I ba- basically have then is our center, uh, Jalapio. Is, is, is he the outright number one right now? Or is there still a question as to whether... Pulley uh, and he are are are, are in uh, competition. Coach made it very clear on the conference call this morning that he's got two starting centers. Uh, Pio has been getting more of the first team reps. Obviously, in A the lot games, more. he's getting all of them. Yeah. But here's the thing: uh, they feel so good about Pulley. Coach is very, very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cagey. I won't say cagey, but he's made it a point, and he's been obvious about it. He feels he has six starting offensive linemen. He does. That's true. You know, he's got his starting five, which opened the game, and then he considers Pulley as good as the starters and has told us time and time again that either Pio or Pulley could play guard if necessary. And I think that goes to show you how much better he feels about this line as compared to last summer when, you know, he had a reconstituted line. They didn't know exactly what they were going to do at the center spot. They didn't know exactly what they were going to do at right tackle. They were hoping and praying that Eric Flowers would work out, but it didn't. The center spot became a mishmash of injury. The The right guard spot also became a, 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 a roving, uh, not a roving, but a, a carousel of, uh, of horses. And so, you know, look at it now. He knows who his guys are when he starts the game, and he knows who his top reserve is. What he doesn't know is who is his swing tackle. I don't think he's got one. I think Nick Gates right now is the leader in the clubhouse and is probably the top reserve at left tackle. I don't know if he is the top reserve at right tackle right now. They I seem to like have him better from the coach's tape that Jalapio is. is doing his job because my concern is that prior to his injury last year, I thought it was not un- uh, a little underwhelming, and, and that's when Pulley came in. Well, Pulley had a terrific second half of the season. Thank you, Jeff. I, and, Appreciate and, it. You know, I have been very vocal 
that because of what Pulley did during the final two months of 2018, and of course he had a year as the starting center with the Chargers, which gives him a lot more experience at the position than Pio, I always thought all along that Pulley would be the guy. But it's not turning out that way. I don't think P.O. played his best game against the Bengals last night. I think he was better in the first two preseason games. I would be beyond shocked if he was not starting at center week one against Dallas at this point. I will say this. If P.O. goes into a slump for a few weeks, I don't think there'd be much hesitation to give Pulley the shot. Zero. Zero hesitation. 201-939-4513. Rick in Tampa's been holding the longest. Hey, Rick. (laughs) It's because I like listening to you guys every day. You know, I don't mind holding. I appreciate that, Rick. Thanks for being with us. How are you doing? We're good. How are you? Okay. Uh, Well, one thing is that being down here in Tampa, uh, the main game that was on at 8 o'clock last night was Jacksonville-Miami, and I had to watch a certain Josh Allen, who's going to be a beast, I believe, in the league play, and it just made me even more upset that the Giants did not take him at, at sixth pick. So that was one thing uh, uh, last night I was still a little bit upset because, I mean, I, it's so apparent that we needed a pass rusher, and we didn't get him, and uh, so that wasn't a good thing. The other thing is the wide receivers, and I called you guys earlier last week or right before the first preseason, I wanted to see the wide receivers catch the basic balls and everything. I don't need acrobatic. I want, and then one of you guys said to me that Coach Shermer, big thing for him is drop passes. Now, with the fragility of our offense needing to click, because our defense could be a little bit uh, young, as Paul, as you said in, in the beginning, Latimer dropping those passes is, is is unforgivable almost. I mean, I really don't have anything uh, to say good about that. Uh, it's, that's that's concerning because it was right in his hands, and he, uh, we can't have that. So I wasn't too happy about that. The other thing is Connolly played last. I didn't see him play. How did he do, Paul? I didn't see him. Uh, I can't follow everybody during the game, but I wanted to see how well he did. I want to say he had three tackles. And, and again, he, you know, he gets around and he covers a lot of ground. And I know Coach uh, continues to be impressed with him. And the arrow is pointed up. I do think right now he and Tay Davis uh, are, are the two guys outside of Ogletree who are in that mix to be the inside backers, the top three in the rotation, if you will. But I want to say one thing about Latimer, and John, back me up on this. You've been at the practices. Mm -hmm. You've seen them. Corey Latimer's had a really nice training camp. Sure. And the first two preseason games, he was more than terrific. So I get it. He did not hold on to everything thrown his way last night, and that's that's a little demerit. But it doesn't undo everything else he's done. I, I can't see him coming off the 53. Do you think he's your starting wide receiver across from Sterling Shepard in week one? I do. I do, too. Really? Hmm. I do. I, uh, I like the kid that Jones was throwing to uh, on the second, the second string. What was his name? Uh, Slayton? He was making some uh, Bolden or oh, Bolden, right? Oh, Go- Yeah, he, he I don't think. Well. Yeah, he, he, he's making some plays. The uh, question real quick. Yeah. I'll let you go. The um, that first play that Cincinnati burned us on, and I, you know, and I and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be the Cowboys. Zach's going to roll out, and uh, Dak's going to roll out, and there you go, the tight end over the middle, 25, 30 yard gain. Was that a mistake that first play that Cincinnati got a lot of yards on, or was that just bad coverage, or was uh, I mean, what was the confusion on that and um, on that play? 
I don't remember. Like Rick, honestly, like I, I don't remember the specific defense. play. Uh, it was the first play of the game you're talking about? Yeah, they just yeah. the rollout and he hit yeah. the, the, yeah, hit the uh, tight end, I guess. Yeah, my, my, guess, end, yeah. my guess is that the Giants were too aggressive biting on the play-action pass there, and they were over-aggressive on the run, and somebody went for the back and didn't stick in their coverage. I would have to look mm -hmm. at the play again off the top of my head okay. to know exactly what happened. I don't remember it mm -hmm. specifically because I watched it around 2 o'clock in the morning on the plane last night. But mm -hmm. uh, I would imagine yeah. someone just probably bit too hard on the play-action okay. pass. Okay. Yeah, Zoma, okay. 20, 20 yards on the first down play from the Bengals' 25. Yeah. As I recall, there were, there were two possibilities, and I don't know what the defensive call was, so I'm not going to pin it down. But I will tell you, I thought the two possibilities at the time was, one, mm -hmm. he slipped in behind the linebackers in the zone because there was a nice chunk of space there. And, and that was one possibility. The other possibility was somebody busted a coverage and was supposed to trail him. One yeah. of the backers was supposed to be with him. Was it a play-action pass, or, or, or I, am I remembering the play wrong? I don't remember if it was play-action. Yeah. Okay. I simply remember following the, following the ball. Say, oh, gosh, here we go. And I yeah. just thought ahead to Dallas game going, come on. You know that's what they're going to do in the first the first first drive, and we'll be like, here we go again. But like you said, Paul, they got to break out these there's kinks they got to work through. We just got to hope that we're – scoring enough points to overcome yeah. them, right? They're going to be uh, there. That's what you've been saying. They're going to be there. Yeah, all right. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you next. Have a good one. Let me see if I can bring up the play on Game Pass real quick if I can before, all right. before the show ends. But it'll take me a couple minutes. So in the meantime, we're all presented by Coors Light here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Let's go to Chuckles in Portland, Maine. Hi, Chuckles. Hey, guys. <clears throat> hey, Paul. Hey, Hi. I can't listen to you guys all night. I'm sorry about good. that. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. That no, was good. Appreciate I, it. I got to hear the game. We had hey, a lot of fun. Um, we did. It was a lot of fun. Paul, Paul did a great job. No, thank you, Jeff. Definitely. Hey, I, I think uh, Alonzo Russell is going to make the team just simply because they usually have one spot for a special team player, and I think he's going to be the guy. And what Siegel said, he said 95% of the guys who are on the punt team are the guys who are going to be on the 53, and Russell was definitely on the punt team. So. I, I think he's going to make it because of that reason. Charlie, if you want to cut, yeah. Before you go anywhere else, think of the problems you have right now at receiver. If you like the fact that Golden is flashed, and by that's the way, a problem, right? And by the way, Alex Wesley also was the gunner on a bunch of those he special was. teams plays too. It doesn't mean he's not going to be on the team, right? But I mean, if no, you if you you know, yeah, go Golden's flashed, so I could see why you might like him, but I don't have room for him. Russell's another guy who has done some really nice things. I don't know that I have room for him either. This this is a problem. Oh, it's a screen pass. Oh, that's right. that's not the play I was talking about. Well, that's the play he was talking about, though. Oh, well, then, okay. I was talking about one that was over the middle. Well, that's why I wanted to look at it. All right, so then guess what? That doesn't match up with what I was thinking yeah, about. Yeah, so... so anyway, <laughs> back back to your point, <laughs> yeah. Charlie. Back, no, back to your okay. point, Charlie. The, well, and and, Re and Reggie White is another kid, for the kid from Monmouth, who's got size yeah. and length and yeah. has made some plays... Look, you could make an argument that the Giants yeah. have 10 receivers that you like something about that makes right. you want to keep them. Right? Yeah, but you can put you can put White on the practice squad, you know? Um, so that's that's not an issue, which that's probably where he'll end up. Well, you can put <laughs> Russell on the practice squad, too. He's also eligible. I know, but I, I just think he's going to make the team because he's just a special teams guy. Plus, he, you know, I, I think Golden is the guy that is, is going to be a hard cut because 
who else do we have as a punt return? I don't think Jones is going to make the team. You got a lot of guys. Who, a lot of guys can <clears throat> return punts. It's about who do you want to do it. Capable guys. Right. Peppers is capable. Right. Latimer's capable. Tate is capable. Right. Slayton. Slayton is capable. They got they got a bunch of guys. And by the way, Sterling Shepard can do it too if you need him. Sure. To. They got probably yeah, seven so. or eight guys who can return punts. The question is, do you want them to do it? Bingo. Right. Hey, and look, it's time for subpar to go. I mean, I think after <sighs> missing four tackles, I think it's time to get another linebacker in there. And I love that kid from uh, Southern Texas. Was it El? El- San Antonio. Tower Effa. Yeah. El- yeah, I think he should make the 53. I think he should take subpar's place. Uh, you know what? And, yeah. Charlie, I, I made a mistake. I need you to pronounce that name. Can can you go ahead and <laughs> no, do that, please? I'm not gonna, uh, come on, give I it a shot. That. It's okay. Give it a shot. What do you got? I thought I thought it was El Serio. <laughs> Charlie, you're too much, man. You're too much. See, it's bad. You're, you're, a, you're a coward. That's what you are. You're to be a coward. Honest, to, be, to be honest with you, Charlie, if I had my preference, it would just be Carson. <laughs> Th- thank you, thank you, Charlie. I want to make sure again our final call before we say goodbye. Right. And that's Scott in DC. He will wrap us up today. It's all presented by Coors Light. Scotty, do what's up? Hey guys, um, I, I, I uh, I'm not with the media. I'm not clickbait. All I've all I've done is uh, watch every snap of the Giants for the last 47 years. So I'm sure you guys know a lot more than I do. Uh, in my opinion, though, Eli, Eli Manning is a distraction for the Giants this season and in the future. Uh, you know, I called several months ago and asked you, John, if you thought uh, Eli was going to be the quarterback of the next Super Bowl winning Giants team, and you wouldn't answer the question. Well, no, no that, 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 is, no, that, I, I, he's not. I will say it right My now. I, I I think it's very unlikely. All right. Well, then you've changed. Uh, I really don't think know. that's true, but okay. I don't remember right, the well, call, but go ahead. Are you sure? Maybe it was Lance yes, and not me. No, no. It was you. Uh, but 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 the point is, you know, he, he's not the future of the team. Yeah, we know so that. They're not going to they're not going to win the Super Bowl with him. They got to pull the band-aid off. Uh, before you, you jump at me and say I'm an Eli hater. No, I'm not going to do know, that. That's wrong. No, I'm no, not going to do that, Scott. Paul's, Paul's going to say I don't know football 101. By the way, Paul, last time I went to the library, there is no book football 101. The point there is, is in my library. There are a lot of different. I could get it for you if you like. <laughs> show, show me the book. Give me the title. All right. Scott, the Library of Congress number, and I'll read it. Scott, real quick. Scott, re- Scott, real quick, real quick. Of, there are a lot of different ways. There are a lot of different ways to win football. The Giants have done it different ways. I just don't think he lies the answer. No, no, Scott, Scott. So I, they got to move on. I will explain it to you if you're willing to listen. Are you willing to listen? Sure. Okay. The Giants believe there is value to Daniel Jones's future development to not having to start right away. They believe they help him down the line by allowing him to watch at the beginning of his career. So it's as much about trying to bring him along the way they want to bring him along as it is about Eli Manning, who they think now gives them a better chance to win as many football games as possible. Those are the two prongs. I, I understand that, and that's, Perfectly good logic. It was great logic with Aaron Rodgers. 
great logic with Webb and Luletta and, and the host of quarterbacks that they've brought in. The point of the matter is no, but they he did not raise the level of play of his teammates, and they got to find someone who can. They drafted Daniel Jones sixth. What else do you want him to do? Well, John, April 25th and April 23rd, go back and listen to the show. This year, just several weeks ago, you said no way in hell they draft Daniel Jones sixth. And I was very surprised by that, and I've said that multiple times. So what's your point? My point I'm is, allowed to be wrong, by know, the they, way. I'm not perfect. They, they, That's my they wife. Suffered. They, they, they've they, they made the mistake that Belichick wouldn't make. They Belichick doesn't keep players a year too long. He keeps them a year too. Wait, wait, short. wait Scott. Wait, I'm confused. And, wait, wait, Scott. Hold on. First, you're killing the draft pick, and you're saying it was a bad pick. And at the same time, you're saying they need to play Daniel Jones right away. How can both of those be true at the same time? They can't. No, but, but John, if you go, if you go back and listen just ten seconds ago, I did not kill them for making the draft pick. What I'm saying is they haven't found the quarterback yet, and having Eli Manning's $20 million contract on the roster for the last three years has injured the team as a whole. Just, 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 just yesterday or two days ago, uh, Paul said this is the best roster, best 90 they've had in, in, in wherever. I said it today, too, and I'll continue but to say point, it all season. But, but, the, but, but you're missing the point. I don't understand your point. What's your point? They fall behind the league. You have to compare it not to the Giants' prior rosters, but to the rest of the league, and they keep falling behind the rest of the league. You understand Eli's Eli's salary, but you you really need to get your facts straight before you call up and make make ridiculous comments. Eli's salary does not even put him in the top 10 highest-paid quarterbacks in the league. You understand that, right? Well, that's good. That's good because he's not a top ten quarterback. Okay, so hey, wow, how about that? You finally got something right. No, but Scott, 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 uh, do you want us to go back in time and fix the Giants roster two years ago? No, I'm just trying to learn lessons from the past. Again, I only have 47 years of experience. No, but, with no, but Scott, no, but, no, but Scott, they, they to... fired their general manager because of those mistakes. Right, they they made the changes. Three years ago, when I called three years ago, you were you were criticizing callers for criticizing the management, and five years ago, criticizing the callers for criticizing Wait, the management. Scott, we have now talked about on this show for years about how the Giants' middle round draft picks have not worked out. If you haven't heard that, that's your problem because we've said it a oh, bajillion no, no, times. I've heard it. I call, I called and said that that Justin Pugh is never going to make it a tackle. I called and said, Witchburg is never going to sign a second contract. Okay. I think I had those exactly right. Sure, that's great. But what's your point now? This is today. This isn't five years ago. This is today. Do you want me to throw a parade for you? The point is, as you said, John, several months ago, they need to pull the Band-Aid off and move on. Okay, thanks, Scott, because now you're inventing quotes that, that I didn't say. Five months ago, and that's okay, great. I'll, Appreciate I'll the call. The, Thank I'll, you. Have a good day. I've never said you need to rip the Band-Aid off. Those words have never come out of my mouth. I promise you that. Yeah, that's not a phrase you would use. No, not in it's a million not. years. It's not. Look, I, I think I think the the big issue And by here, the way, Paul, when have I ever said I think Eli Manning's going to win the next giant Super Bowl? I don't remember you saying that either. Ever. No. 
I, I don't. I could see maybe you saying that, not I me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm certainly much more apt to say it than you are. I just, and, I just and, don't. And quite under- frankly, I could not say that with conviction either right now. I just don't understand Scott's point. If his point is that they should have moved on from Eli Manning two or three years ago, I don't. I, I don't. You're, the when? point you tried to make him understand early in the phone call was really the most logical thing that could have been said to to the caller, and that is. If you are the biggest Daniel Jones fan in the world and you want him to succeed over the course of the next decade as the Giants' starting quarterback, well, the best thing you could do is to allow him to sit behind Eli Manning, soak it up like a sponge, watch the Giants win so that Daniel Jones soaks up all of those winning juices and enjoys the experience and the knowledge of being on a team that goes to the playoffs in 2019. And if they should decide to give them the ball in 20 or in 21, whenever it comes about in the next two years, that he has a tremendous mental and emotional foundation to build on for the next decade. And by the way, that's it. I understand wanting to get Daniel Jones there as quickly as possible as an overall theory. I get it. I, I understand the point. And if you want to do that, I understand that I get it. I'm just trying to explain to you what the Giants' philosophy is and why they're doing what they're doing. That's all I'm trying to do. Because I get it. You want to see the young guy play. I understand. It makes sense. I get it. Yeah, but the, I'm just understanding. I'm just trying to explain why the Giants are doing what they do. If yeah, you want the, to disagree with it, that's fine. I'm just trying to explain to you why they do it. In closing, you have the rare luxury of allowing your high number one draft choice quarterback to sit behind a future Hall of Famer and to gain everything he can from him. That doesn't happen very often because most times when you draft a quarterback very high in the first round, John, it means your team was so stinking bad and your quarterback was so stinking bad that you can't wait to get the rookie into the starting lineup because the guy ahead of him is miserable. That's not the case here. And by the way, I don't want to hear calls call up and say how we don't allow people to call up and be critical either. Because I allowed him to go on for about six minutes saying things that were just factually incorrect. Man, that was like swallowing quicksand, so, wasn't it? So I, I don't want to hear that either. Everybody, thanks for calling in. Thanks for being part of the show. That's it. Well, I was all on time. I took the last call at 157. I was going to be done at 2, and well, then this and then this happened. <sighs> it's all presented by Coors Light. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmelk. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. We'll be back with you on Monday at 1 on for another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you then. Adios.